What mattered wasn't what was going to happen with me. What mattered was whether or not the words and the things that I said to the people around me were going to help them. My dad has finally told me that he's proud of me. But not because I do stuff like this. Not because of standing in pulpit. But because my dad knows that I know where home is. And I want people to go there. So let's remember what home will do for us if we'll think about it enough. Thanks, everybody. Any announcements, Chris? Alright, we all go to uh, Galatians 4. Galatians chapter 4.
elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more. Did you catch Paul's rhetoric here? It's interesting, he says in verse 9, but now you have come to know God. And this, I think, is what I used to do. Actually, four years ago when I was here in 2017, Andy and I were talking about who can be compared to God. He did a series from First Peter. I talked about what it means to know God. And I think that's probably been most of my focus in my life, is how do you come to know God? You know, from a very basic apologetic perspective, how do you know there is a God? But more importantly, how do you know the God who has revealed himself in Jesus Christ and has given us his spirit is the God? That's the question that we want to focus on. But Paul here is saying, now that you have come to know God, no, that's not right, or rather to be known by God. It's perhaps more accurate for us to consider that it's not merely us knowing God, but rather we have been come, we have come to be known by God. So what exactly does this mean? I mean, isn't God omniscient? Doesn't God know everything? I mean, whether or not you are in Christ or out of Christ, doesn't God know you? I mean, we were just in Matthew 6. Doesn't he know every hair on your head? Doesn't God know everyone who has ever been? He's creator, we are preacher. Well, yes, there is a sense in which God is omniscient. But I'd like to recommend there are two distinct but related concepts that the scriptures convey whenever it is talking about being known by God. So I'd like to tease these out a little bit. What are the two distinct but related concepts that are involved whenever we're talking about what it means to be known by God. We're going to come back to Galatians 4 in a little bit, but I want to go through a few other passages to really track this down. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. The Apostle Paul in this passage is going to say something very similar. Notice here what he says. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 19. 2 Timothy 2 verse 19. But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. You catch that? The Lord knows those who are His. Now, as the Apostle Paul often does, he's not original with this. He's plagiarizing from the Old Testament. And here, if you look back, he's quoting from the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 16. Let's go to number 16. I said we're going to do a little bit of rabbit chasing for a minute. We're going to go to quite a few other passages. Let's go to Numbers chapter 16. Number 16 is not a warm and fuzzy story of the Old Testament. This is Korah's Rebellion. Oh, my. This is like the worst of the worst as you're in the wilderness. But notice here what it says. Number 16, beginning in verse 3. They assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, You have gone too far, for all in the congregation are holy. Even one of them, and Yahweh among, is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of Yahweh? When Moses heard it, he fell on his face, and he said to Korah and all his company, In the morning, Yahweh will show who is his, and who is holy, and will bring him near to them. In 2 Timothy 2, 19, the Apostle Paul is quoting from number 16, verse 5. What does it mean that God knows who are his? Well, what Moses is conveying in number 16 is what Paul means in 2 Timothy 2. To be known by God 
means that you belong to God. What is going to happen here on the next day is God is going to make a spectacle of them. God is going to demonstrate the rebellion of the people is not merely a rejection of Moses and Aaron, but it is a rejection of God himself. God then is going to know those who are his. God is not going to know those who are not his. So, what does it mean to be known by God? Well, I think the scripture suggests to us primarily it means to belong to God. Many times over in the Old Testament, the prophets will talk of Israel being known by God. Yahweh knowing his people. Yahweh does not know the pagan nations. He knows Israel. What that means, of course, is not that God knows that Israel exists, but he doesn't know the Gentile nations exist. He made them all. It means Israel is a unique nation that belongs to God. They are the child of promise. And here in number 16, those who are faithful to God and are penitent of their rebellion, they belong to God. But those who have rebelled and refused to repent of their rebellious ways do not belong to them, and God does not know them. So, first, what does it mean to be known by God? It means you belong to God. But there's a second concept that I think perhaps is even more powerful that flows from this, as we consider what it means to be known by God. Let's look at a couple of the prophets together. Let's go to Amos chapter 3. Amos chapter 3. Many times over, as the prophets are warning Israel of their sin and their rebellion, they will talk about God knowing or not knowing the people. And as you look to the book of Amos, Amos in his powerful way is going to remind Israel of whom they belong. It says in Amos chapter 3 verse 1, Amos 3 verse 1, Hear the word that Yahweh has spoken against you, O people of Israel. Against the whole family that I brought up out of Egypt. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for your iniquity. You notice what's going on here? God tells Israel, I brought you up against the whole family. I brought you up as a family. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Now, in Exodus chapter 4, verses 22 and 23, don't turn there, if you, for those of you taking notes, you reference it. God calls Israel his firstborn child. Israel was the child of God. The Canaanites and the Philistines were not God's promised child. Israel was God's promised child. By the covenant that had been promised through Abraham and given at Sinai, Israel was God's promised child. And not only did Israel belong to God, but secondly, I would suggest to be known by God means that you are the child of God. I want us to really simmer on this for a second. To be known by God not only means that you belong to God, but it also means that you are a child of God. Did you notice the family overtones in this text? Amos 3 verse 1. Hear the word that Yahweh has spoken against you, O people of Israel, against the whole family that I brought up out of the land of Egypt. You 
only have I known of all the families of the earth. And therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Now, as parents, you get this. Whose children do you punish? Well, hopefully your own. <laughs> we could probably tell stories if we like. Hopefully your own. If we're at the park, and my little girl, bless her loving heart, is doing something that she knows she shouldn't do, and her friend is doing it with her, her parents are right beside me, and my little girl's doing it. Who do I go over and punish? My little girl. Why? Don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. This is very obvious in the driveway, Andy. <laughs> I own her. Just and I own her. God has blessed us with a child that we own. She belongs to us. None of the other children on the playground belong to us. So if they're doing things they don't need to do, their parents can deal with it. It's their problem, not mine. But when my daughter needs to be corrected and lovingly disciplined, I'm a father. Yes, it's her mother. She belongs to us. And when we think through this family connection, for many of us it rings into the deepest resonances of our hearts about what it means to be known. Others of you, perhaps it does not. I know my little girl and my twin boys better than anybody else. The other night, after Adam had finished his bath, he's getting dry or trying to put lotion on him, and he starts falling out of nowhere, falling. And he starts going, eat, 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 eat. Tasha, what do you think he wanted? He wanted to brush his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I do not know that, Tasha. Maybe I should ask Mindy. That's not right. I mean, I know my children's code. I know they're nonverbals. I know that E means I really want to brush my teeth, which really means put a lot of that sugary toothpaste in there. Let me suck on it for 20 minutes. I know my children. I was blessed with parents who wanted to know me. I know some of you here were not. My parents, even when I was 17 and 18, and I thought that they didn't understand me at all. In retrospect, I understood. No, they really knew me. They knew me better than I knew myself. My little girl this morning, before we left, Jessica's packing. I'm trying to keep the boys happy. She's getting upset. I can tell she's getting anxious. She's wanting to go. We're staying with Josh and Rachel. So we drove up. We're wanting to go. She didn't know what she was upset about. But Jessica and I knew she was hungry. So we gave her a little bag of cornflakes, set her down, and she was the happiest girl in the whole rest of the world. Jessica and I know our children. Parents know their children. Your creator is not merely an apersonal, unloving, 
He is. He is your father. And he not only knows you, but he wants to know you. Now, we're going to regress to Galatians 4 in a moment, but consider this as it develops through the rest of the Old Testament. If you look over to the book of Hosea, the prophet Hosea is likewise going to talk about this. And in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went astray. They kept sacrificing to the bells and the burnt offerings to idols. We loved him because he first loved us, right? Who loved first, the parent or the child? <laughs> I know that in a three-year-old, about to be four way, my daughter loves Jessica and me. But she has no earthly clue how much we love her. I know my boys, whenever I walk in the door, are going to come running and both give me the biggest hug. When you have twins, it is so fun to get a hug when you walk in the door. I know they know me and love me. And they certainly know me better than anyone else. But they have no idea how much I know them and how much Jessica and I love them. The good love. And the good relationships that we experience in this life are but a foretaste of the love that our Heavenly Father has for us. If you have been blessed with parents that know you and love you, that is but a shadow of the love that God in His full life has for His children. God knows you. Because God is your Father. All right, so let's review real quick before we go on. What does it mean to be known by God? Two related but distinct concepts. It means that we belong to God, and it means that we are children of God. Taking perhaps more truly, it means that God owns us, and it means that God is our Father. But now I'd like to ask the question then, how do we come to be known by God? It's clear as you work through all the passages that we've examined, Certain people throughout human history have been known by God. Others have not been known by God. Let's go to Galatians chapter 4 again. Galatians chapter 4. Now, as you turn there, consider nearly every book or movie is about this concept of finding a home, right? Of finding a home. Many of you know I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. When did Harry find his home? When Brenda... No, when he was in Hogwarts. No, right? When he went to Hogwarts. Why? Not because he knew Professor Lupin. And because he knew Professor McGonagall. And because he knew Professor Dumbledore. And then he knew Ron. But because they knew him. You find a home when you are known. Home is not merely where you know everyone. Home is where you yourself are known. As we reflect on where we feel at home, it's not necessarily the place where I'm going to know everyone else around me, but it's the place where I am going to be known. Y'all, for so many of you, why is camp the place where you feel at home? 
Because you can go to any activity, you can be on any society, and even if it's your first year by day two, you are known. Right? Why is it for so many of us, we long to be home? Because it's the place you're known. Why for some of you, perhaps, is home not the best place to be? Perhaps you're not surrounded by people that know you. Heaven is where we will be known. Heaven is where our Heavenly Father will know us. Without the constraints of the present realm and the flesh that we live in, our God will know us. And we perhaps will be the nobodies, and we won't care about who will see us. But Andy, you know who is going to look on us and see us? Our Father will. The one on the throne will look down and know us. Heaven is our home. Because heaven is where we are known. But now let's then consider the second question. We consider the scriptures to ask, what does it mean to be known? But now let's ask the second question. How do we come to be known? What are the means by which we are known? We've understood the meaning. Now let's look at the means. Galatians chapter 4, verse 8. Galatians 4, verse 8. Formerly, you did not know God. You were enslaved to those things that by nature are not God. But now you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God. You notice the tenses that Paul uses here? There was a time that they did not know God and they were not known by God, but now they are known by God. What's changed? What is the means by which they have come to be known by God? How has God come to know them? Go back earlier to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3.27. If Tom Hamilton were here, he would say, horrible chapter division. Oh, this is a horrible chapter. Galatians 3.27 <laughs> For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female, for all you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Did you notice the family connection here? Did you notice the sonship connection? We are heirs. We are in the covenant. God owns us. And God calls us his children. Galatians 4 verse 20. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything. But he is under a guardian and manager until the date set forth by his father. In the same way. We also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come. God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the Torah, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Adoption as sons. Now, all the good things we see sacred selections doing are, again, but a shadow of the glory that God has worked out in Jesus Christ. Because we had given ourselves over to a different master. We, in our human rebellion, had given ourselves over to a different ruler. Since humanity needed to be reheaded, crucifixion time. But 
But we have given ourselves over to a different king, a different kingdom, a different father, a different family. And because we were no longer in God's family, we needed to be brought into God's family. We needed to become sons of Abraham. It's intentional here that Paul calls us all sons. Because it's inheritance rights. We are becoming sons of Abraham. Why? To redeem those who are born under the law so that you might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of the son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And as a son, and an heir how do we become known by God? We must be adopted by God. We must be brought into the family of God. We must be brought out of the kingdom of this world and into the family of Abraham, into the family of Jesus Christ, into the family of our Heavenly Father, into the family of God. Why has God decided to bring us who were rebellious and who were against Him? Why has God decided to bring even us into His family? Galatians 5, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, etc. Why has God decided to adopt us? Because we were the ones who were so desirable. We were the ones who were going to manage the inheritance so well. We were the desired child. We were the chosen one. Very part of So, because God loved us. Because God loved you. God has come to know you. Because God loves you. And when we respond to the love of God by loving Him, when we respond to the faithfulness of God by putting our faith in Him, when we respond to the obedience of Christ, to obedience to God, we are in God's family. We are known by God. Go back to the book of Hosea. The prophet Hosea talks about this in his typical way with such a strong pathos. But look back to Hosea chapter 11 again. Hosea 11 verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him not yet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Why did God call Israel his son? Because God loves Israel. Over to Hosea chapter 13 verse 4. I am Yahweh your God. From the land of Egypt, you know no God but me. And besides me, there is no Savior. It was I who knew you in the wilderness, in the land of drought. Why and how? This is both the answer to the why and the how, by the way. Why has God decided to know us, and how has God decided to know us? Through love. Through love. Now, we could perhaps debate for the next five hours what the most misunderstood word in the English language is. But for a moment, I would like to propose just the word love. Because our rationalistic culture 
has utterly defaced the meaning of love. A New Testament scholar who I can send for any of you who'd like to, to see this in more detail gives, I think, a very helpful understanding about biblical love. This is philosophical, but I think it's very helpful and I'm going to unpack this. Pure objectivity about other persons would appraise them at a distance rather than engaging with them. This is our modern education system. This is the modern Western way of knowing. We as enlightened Westerners want objectivity, right? What are you told? Get rid of your biases. Stand at a distance. Look at things under a microphone. We have taken love out of knowledge. Because really, when you think about it, aren't we taught that knowledge is the absence of love? Facts, dry, hard, cold facts, are devoid of love. Stand at an arm's distance. Be objective. The greatest lie the Enlightenment has given us. Pure subjectivity would use them to gratify one's own whims or desires. Now, if you're not a modernist, but a postmodern, now it's all about gratifying my own desires. Now I get to be who I want to be. Now I get to know what I want to know. Now I get to make my own reality. I get to make my own truth. Love is devoid of this. Because truth now becomes all about me. Okay? Let me, let me review this real quick. Because I think it's extremely important that we, as Christians in the 21st century, grasp. The Enlightenment has taught us that true knowledge means when you take yourself out of your knowing. You can only know facts when you're out of your knowing. Get rid of yourself from your knowing. Don't love what you're, don't love what you're knowing and then you'll know. Postmodernism, postmodernism on the other hand, teaches us that the greatest form of knowledge comes from within. Whenever you know who you are inside, whenever you know who you are within, that is then knowledge. No, 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 no. No. Both are deception of what true knowledge is. Love means not just allowing others to be themselves, but relishing them as being themselves, as being both other than ourselves and other than our initial hopes and expectations of them. Let me unpack that for a minute. It's a dead sentence, but it's meaningful. Who do you know best? Let me perhaps ask my question another way. What do you know best in this world? I think I know that 2 plus 2 is 4. If you go on YouTube, you can find some really weird videos about 2 plus 2 equals 5, so I'm not sure even about that. But you know what I know more certainly than anything else in this world? That my wife loves me. I know that. You know who knows me better than anybody else in this world? Jessica. You know how? Because she loves me. When you want to know something or someone, you love it. If you're a modernist, you take yourself out of the knowing. If you're a postmodern, you yourself are what is known. But biblically in Christ, when you know, you love. How has God come to know us? 
He's loved us. How has God come to know his children? He loves us. And throughout all of eternity, do you know what will sustain God's knowledge of us? Love. Love. The greatest of these is love. As Christians, we must retain the biblical view of knowledge and the biblical view of love. There is our home. So let me ask you a question. Here. What is home? Home is where you are known. Home is where you are known. All of us desire to be known, right? We we want to be known. It's a thing within us to desire to be known. You know, I think my first time at this recharge meeting was in 2015. I was known by like three of you. Jessica and I hadn't been to camp. I was known by like three of you. And it was a nice weekend. I, I remember Derry was in Isaiah at that time, and I, and I had some good things from Isaiah that I had some notes from Derry on. But I left that weekend not really feeling at home. It was not any of your fault. You didn't know me. This may be your first time here. Welcome. I'm looking forward to getting to know you. Everyone else here is looking forward to getting to know you. But now when I look at so many of you, you know me. And I told home. Home is where you're known. What will heaven be? Heaven is where I am known. In the most fullest sense of the term. Home is where I am known. How then do we know? Why has God decided to know us? How has God decided to know us? Through love. Through the love demonstrated most fully in the cross of Christ. God knows us. You can get a foretaste of heaven even while we're still here. Oh no, by no means the full experience of it. But when we are known by God in this life, we are tasting the full substance of what heaven will be. We're seeing the shadow of the full light of the knowledge and the love of God. To close, I am still in a Christmas in July type of mood. So I want to close with, I'll be home for Christmas. I'll be home for Christmas. You can plan on me. Please have snow and mistletoe. Presents under the tree. Christmas Eve will find me. I'm so pissed at Christmas Eve will find me. Where the love light for those of you that don't know the history of this poem, go on Wikipedia. This poem, right? It's uh, <laughs> easy to confuse them, I know. Um, for those of you that don't know the history of this poem, go on Wikipedia and look it up. It was written during World War II from the perspective of a soldier who was abroad, who's not at home. And he is longing to be back home. What is home? Yeah, it's where the snow and the mistletoe is. 
Yeah, it's where the presents are. Christmas Eve will find you where the love light gleams. What is a love light? Well, I had to go to the Oxford English Dictionary for this one because I had no idea. It's a poetic term meaning the radiance of the eyes expressing love. A love light. Okay? What does it mean that the love light gleams? Well, whenever your little sweetie looks upon you and it's true love, that's a love light. When a parent looks down at their child, that's a love light. And do you know what the love light of eternity will be? I know this is corny, but follow me for a minute. <laughs> Behold, there was no light in it. For the Lord God was his light. Our hearts need to be longing for the place where we will be fully known and we will be fully loved. God loves you. God loves you enough that he gave a son to adopt you. God wants to bring you home. Are you known?